1: We are just two days away, everybody, from Notre Dame against Ohio State. That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. You know who we are, Ryan. Let's just dive right in, man. Today, as we are now two again, a little over little over forty eight hours away from kickoff for Notre Dame Ohio State, number five Notre Dame against number two Ohio State. Epic matchup. First time they've met in the regular season since 1996. Statement game opportunity for Notre Dame. It's a big opportunity for Ohio State. There's a lot at stake here, Ryan, and we today are going to talk about the, the keys to victory for Notre Dame. Tomorrow, we'll make our score predictions. We'll have some fun with it. We'll have our countdown to kickoff show on, on Saturday at 10 a.m. Sean Styers and Vince D'Addario will we'll have that. But Ryan, you know, there's this perception that. Notre Dame just doesn't have a chance. And mm-hmm. this is a 17-and-a-half-point deal, and it's because of this and because of that. And, you know, we've been here before, to be honest with you. Uh, our, our You look back, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, this was the same argument we were having going into week two of the 2019 season, right, or week three of the 2019 season when Notre Dame was going down to play Georgia. They were 16-point underdogs to go down and play Georgia in 2019. It was kind of like, but why? Mm-hmm. You know, the number, Notre Dame is number seven team in the country. Georgia's number three. Like, you don't see a lot of teams that are top ten being two-plus touchdown underdogs on the road. And as we've talked about before, they've got to earn that respect. And and we're, we believe that this is a, a winnable game for Notre Dame. But even if Notre Dame had the Lou Holtz track record the last ten years of success against top ten teams, going on the road in Columbus – Number two team in the country against that offense and the talent that that roster has, it's not an easy task. Sure. And so what we're going to discuss today is we're not going to spend a lot of time about what the line should or shouldn't be and all those type of things. We're going to acknowledge the fact that this is a this is a hard game. This is a tough team. This is a great opponent. And what I can't stand is when people will like kind of tear down the opponent and it's like, well, you just spent all week convincing people that that team sucks. So when you win, don't be excited as if you had some big win, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Well, we're definitely not doing that because this is an outstanding football team. But it's also a game, Ryan, that we believe Notre Dame absolutely has a chance to win. Margin for error may be thin, but there's no reason that Notre Dame can't win. And if they do the things we're going to talk about here today, they're going to go into the fourth quarter on Saturday night with an opportunity to win the football game.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
2: I think a lot of my optimism comes from the coaching staff, honestly, Brian, and kind of the things that you're hearing. Again, we have to see it on the field, but we talked about it a little bit yesterday. You know, they were talking about the the line and disrespect. And, and sure, I feel like that there's an inherent thing that players are probably using that in the back of their mind. Like, Hey, that's that's some added motivation. But like my main point, Brian, was like, if you need that type of motivation to go in and play your best game against Ohio State, then like you're not that you're not it. You know what I mean? Like you right. have to, like if if a player if Tyler Buckner needs like a little added bonus of like uh, getting himself juice for a game like that, then maybe he's not the guy that we think he can be. Right? And that goes for right. every player on this football team, man. Like this is a game that. You shouldn't need any extra yeah. to get you ready and to get you prepared and to get you juiced up. You're on the road, number two team in the country. Against a great football team. And I'm, I mean, I'm juiced myself, man. I'm just I'm looking forward to it because I feel like we are, you know, I feel like we're very realistic, objective, but we're still optimists as far as like how good we think this football team can be and i feel like we're at some at some points i feel like we're kind of on an island with that you know what i sure. mean but i i really do I've think i've been there that,
1: before i mean yeah i predicted i p- predicted a competitive victory or competitive game in in 2019 against georgia you know thought Notre name would beat lsu both times i mean that's just kind of how it is i mean mm-hmm. it, and that's okay but there's a reason like you said right there's a reason for it yes. right you don't want people to keep thinking you should be 70 70- if you don't want to keep being a seventy and a half and a half point underdog on the road then stop losing every big game you're playing OK, so, I mean, it, it's simple as that. And so that's what their name has to come out and prove and, and say, right. hey, look, because look, end of the day. You know, I'm, I'm going to add to what I know you meant to say, because we were on the same page here. The mm-hmm. optimism does come from the coaching staff, but not because we think these coaches are miracle workers, but because we think this coaching staff, unlike last year's coaching staff, is filled with guys top to bottom that know how to put the talent in position to play to their potential. Right. That's the key. And this is what I wrote in an article today. I said, look, my optimism about Notre Dame's run game is not built. So Ryan and Sean had their their stacking up article yesterday or podcast yesterday. Well, I wrote my stacking up article today, which we always have at irishbreakdown.com. And I kind of made the run game matchup even between Notre Dame and Ohio State, simply because of you have to look at the numbers from last year. And the point that I made was this is a Notre Dame's got to go show it. Sure. But the optimism about Harry Heestand which I talked about in my Midweek Musings article today is he's not a miracle worker. We're not asking him to be a miracle worker. We're not asking him to come here and, you know, uh, wave a magic wand and sprinkle some secret sauce in the players' pregame meals to turn guys who aren't talented into great players. Mm-hmm. It's it's like okay, why is there such optimism about Brian Hartline getting the receiving core going? Why because they're talented kids, and he has a proven track record of getting the most out of his wide receivers. Well, guess what? So does Harry stand when it comes to offensive linemen. So the talent is there. It's up to the coaching staff to get him in position to be successful, and you and I have great faith that they're going to do that. But this is a show-me business, as gotta we always it. talk about, yep. and now they got to prove it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of go through offensively, defensively, special teams, and then there's one overarching big-picture key to success That I have not told Ryan about, but I have a feeling Uh he's going to know exactly what it is, and we're going to agree on this. So, Ryan, let's begin with the keys to victory for the Notre Dame offense. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to try to give you a little bit more detail than just simply don't turn the ball over. Uh, you know, the, you know, the simple things, right? Like coaching
2: cliches, let's call it coach and catch. Okay, (laughs)
1: great. That's, that's wonderful. But, but some of the stuff is going to be sort of obvious and and we're going to explain why they're important. So we're going to take four keys on each side of the ball and they kind of build on each other. They're not necessarily most important to least important or least important building to the most important. They all kind of build on each other. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the offense, I think the first one is a big picture thing, Ryan. It is imperative. And I asked Coach Freeman about this today's press conference. They have to start fast. Yep. The one thing you simply cannot do on top of it, like don't turn the ball all over, stuff like that. The one thing you cannot do against this Ohio State team is fall behind big early. Yes. You want, that's why they get the 66 to 17s and the 56 to 7s because mm-hmm. they just jump all over a team. Then you get in this mode where you're now out of your game. You've got to now throw. They can pin the ears back, come after you, force turnovers. The next thing you know, it's 35 to 7 at halftime. Yep. Right? Like, that's what this team can do to you if you're not able to kind of come out and, and set your agenda immediately. So the first thing this Notre Dame offense has to do is start fast. And we'll get into all of the things of what that looks like, Ryan. But if the defense is is starting off well, then you've got to get some separation early and, yes. and and make Ohio State play catch up. If the defense maybe needs two to three series to kind of get caught up to what Ohio State's doing, and Ohio State's putting points on the board, you got to match right. and keep the defense in the game and uh, long enough for them to make the necessary changes. It's either one of those things required that the Notre Dame offense come out early and be effective in getting moving the ball and getting points early that's sort of the big picture key to this game because if you don't do that this game could be over by halftime and that's true for anybody ohio state plays that was true for clemson in the 2020 playoff game they Mm -hmm. couldn't keep up early and ohio state just overwhelmed them and then they had no chance you have to be able to come out early and start fast
2: i think there's two keys from from that sense brian for me one is the natural ohio state and this is most offenses so this isn't something that is just you know, relative to Ohio state, but offenses for most part, they feed off of staying in rhythm, right? Building on one, a building grainy momentum, Ohio state's the same way, man. Like there's going to be moments where Ohio state, the, the offense is going to be methodical, right? Like it's just going to move at a very good pace and you're going to have to kind of counteract the momentum. And if they get up on you, I mean, that means that their offense is probably humming and then you have to come from behind. And then at that point, you're saying even if you can mount a comeback, you have to get into a shootout with them. And right. that's not an advantageous way to beat Ohio State. It's not. Like we talked about that yesterday a little bit. You don't want to get into a a, a game where – although I have the most uh, utmost confidence in Tyler Buckner, I don't want him to get in a shootout with CJ Stroud, right? Like I don't want that Matt to happen. CJ
1: throw for throw. You, you, right. You
2: don't want, you, you don't want that to happen, right? Like you, you want to alternate punches, but you do not want to get a situation where you have to now have be perfect. And your margin for error now reduces to that, to that smallest, uh, smallest amount. And the other thing for me, Brian, I don't know if you agree with this, but, Notre Dame is also a young football team in a lot of spots, right? Like we've talked endlessly this offseason about the sophomore class and why it gives us so much hope, right? Getting off to a good start builds confidence very quickly if you're a younger team, right? But adversely, and I'm not saying this is, again, this isn't relative to Notre Dame. This is relative to all young players for the most part. If they hit adversity early, sometimes it shrinks you a little bit, you know, especially if it's your first career start, And the horseshoe, right? Like those things can be detrimental to playing your best possible football game. So getting off to a fast start, I think also building confidence for a younger football team in a lot of spots. I think that that is my, I mean, it's my biggest takeaway, if we're being completely honest, is I need the sophomores, the younger players, the guys that might be starting their first game at Notre Dame. They need to build confidence early. And you and it would be the worst possible outcome if Ohio State jumps on them, because I just don't know how that's going to affect some of their psyche, if we're being honest. Well,
1: on top of that too, Ryan, you have to look at it from the standpoint of the the faster that they start off, the louder the crowd noise gets. The 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 more raucous the environment gets. And that's a part of it. I mean, I think sometimes home field advantage can be overplayed a little bit. Like, you're not a 20 point better team than someone, but because you're on the road, you're a 10 point worse team than them. Like, it, but a, a game that could be a four point game in either direction is could be the difference between that home environment. You know, that's something that hurt Notre Dame in 2019 against Georgia. You lost by six, a big part of the game. And how many false start penalties because you weren't prepared for the crowd noise? Like, that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard Brian Kelly say. And that's a guy that said a lot of asinine things. How are you not prepared for it was going to be loud at Georgia? I don't think Marcus Freeman is going to make that same mistake, but the point is, is, is the louder the crowd gets, the worse it gets. And then you flip to Michigan state. Anyone that's been at Spartan stadium knows the Spartan stadium can get a little bit loud. And, and you you think of the 2018 game or 2017 game, at Notre Dame. I mean, they got on a, they got on them quick. They they went right down the field on their first drive, bam, 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 deep ball to St. Brown. Uh, Brandon scores on a quarterback draw, seven, nothing. Brian Lewerke, Takes Michigan State to get around near midfield. Julie Love picks six, and you could hear a pin drop in that stadium. 14 nothing, just like that. Mm-hmm. By halftime, they knew the game was over. And, you know, so now so you're on the road and it's now a pro Notre Dame environment, you know, because it's your crowd making noise, not theirs. But it, when the opposite is true, which is what happened later that year in Miami, is Notre Dame mm-hmm. allowed Miami to get off to a good start and that place went nuts. And mm-hmm. that is one of the most front running crowds ever well how state fans are not front runners they're going to be loud until they no longer have a reason to be loud and that's going to be the key is is they're going to have to that that's a but that factors into your youth thing ryan mm-hmm. some of the veterans are used to that they've been in those environments sure. before right but the younger guys this may be the first time they've been in that environment and that's why it's important to kind of come out quickly and just try to keep that crowd a little bit out of this contest I mean, and to your point too, Brian,
2: you're 730 in the horseshoe, right? Like it's going to be loud there naturally. So you're going to be fighting against the crowd a little bit, right? And that only gets worse if you're also getting off to a slow start and you're letting them build momentum. The more momentum they grab, the louder that crowd is going to get. And that is also can be debilitating a little bit to a younger team in some spots, right? Like how, how are sophomores, freshmen, whatever it is, how are they going to react to that type of environment? That's what is going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be loud regardless, but especially if, if Ohio State's able to gain some momentum early, it might be a tough a tough, uh, tough, thing to overcome.
1: So let's go to point number two, Ryan. And and point number two is is an obvious one, but it's an important one, and it's a little bit of an all-encompassing one, and that is they have to control the line of scrimmage. There are so many aspects to this, right? It's not just run the football, right? Establish the run. That's true. And that's going to be point number three. And so we're going to kind of do these two together a little bit because they do kind of go together, but it's not as simple as just establishing the line of scrimmage to run the ball. There's a lot more to it than that. And the first thing for me, when I think of establishing the line of scrimmage, Ryan, is you're setting a tone. Because to, what does control the line of scrimmage means? It means you're coming off your physical, you're getting movement, your assignment correct, you're gashing Ohio State and gashing doesn't mean you're ripping off 40-yard run after 40-yard run it means you're going 5 six, seven, nine, 15 5 six, eight. you're just gashing them just they you're just moving the chains with ease just nonstop because you're controlling the line of scrimmage with the run game your backers are not able to get over you're 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 easily getting off at a second level things along those lines those are all things that that you where you want to be as an offense is just setting that tone that physical like hey y'all we're here for a battle we're here to Mm -hmm. fight I mean you are you you better make sure that you are ready to to bring it that's part number one to it part two is control line of scrimmage is protecting the quarterback I mean that's another big part of it is you know Ohio State's you know defensive linemen are talented but they were really young last year and they're going to be way better well that's also true of Notre Dame's offensive tackles you know, Blake Fisher and, and Joe Walt. They're really talented and really young. So who who wins that battle? Well, I got a better def- we have a new defensive coordinator now. He's gonna make them better. Oh, okay. Notre Dame hired Harry He right? Like we could do this game all day, end of the day. They gotta play well. They've got to control the line of yep. scrimmage. They can't let those young players who are very talented. You know, JT is talented. Talik Williams is very talented, right? I know you're very high on his film. He didn't play a ton last year, which adds you know, like 180 like some snaps is all he played. Guy had like seven tackles for loss and five sacks on those 180 some plays. Highly yep. productive player. Jack Sawyer's a talented kid. They're playing in a defense that's a little bit more sound than it was last year, if I'm being kind. Uh, but also one that's aggressive. You gotta mm-hmm. you've got to be able to stone them. Hey, if they bring five or six, you step up. You plant them on the ground. You chop that linebacker the blitzes and you give your quarterback time to throw the football. That's just another way that you start fast and control establish line of scrimmage. And then of course. The final piece is kind of point number three, Ryan, and that's what we'll say we'll put them together, is controlling the line of scrimmage then leads to the ability to run the football. Yep. And if Notre Dame can run the football effectively early, that is how it accomplishes a lot of the things that we talked about. It keeps them in good down and distances, right? What's the key to starting early? Keep yourself ahead of the chains all game long. If you're running the ball early, that means your quick game is more effective because you're avoiding second and nines and second and twelves and third and eights. Where mm-hmm. you're in a third and three, and it's like, hey guys, we have our whole offensive package here on third down. That makes it harder to defend. You know, it makes it it forces them to get more into the box, which then opens up your perimeter pass game. You know, Marcus Freeman has talked a lot about Ryan. The players have mentioned it a lot. Got to defend fifty-three and a third. Well, mm-hmm. that's fine, but you know, the best way to, to 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 attack fifty-three and a third is to is to condense the defense. The way that you condense the defense is by running the football effectively, you know, between the tackles. And there's some things you can do on the perimeter. But if you're gashing them with inside zone and duo and counters and power, you know, quarterback power read and things like that, then all of a sudden, boy, they're in a bind. And then all of a sudden you start getting the read zone stuff with Tyler Buckner. And then that overhang has to be thinking like, okay, I can't defend the bubble because I got to worry about Tyler Buckner pulling this thing. Next thing you know, you're doing that read zone, that guy squeezes in, you pull it and you throw it out on the on the bubble screen. That's how that to me is I'm a believer of working inside out. Just mm-hmm. that's my philosophy. I think Tommy Reese is similar. If you work inside out, you're gonna be effective. What killed Notre Dame last year in the in the bowl game is Notre Dame kind of worked outside in because they mm-hmm. couldn't run the ball. Well, after the first couple quarters, after just shredding Oklahoma State for 30 minutes, they were able to say, okay, look, we're gonna. We're going to take away their quick stuff on the outside and we're going to put more resources to, you know, defending that box. And because Notre Dame couldn't defend that, they were able to then drop guys underneath some of the quick game, take the quick game away with the press. And because Notre Dame couldn't run the football, all that perimeter stuff was gone. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing is if, if they would have been able to come out in the third quarter and run the football, Oklahoma State's counter to the perimeter pass game stuff would have resulted in just getting gashed. Right. Just just ramming them up, up up the middle and so that's the thing is if you can establish the running game it opens up so many other things you it's harder to defend 53 and a third when you've got to worry about what's going on in the box and so controlling the line of scrimmage leads to all those things and the end result at the end of the day is you're running the football and that's going to be a big big key for Notre Dame against Ohio State
2: uh, and, and everything is built off of the run in this offense in my opinion right like it's some offenses are built for the pass to set up the run summer build up for the run to set up the pass. But no- Notre Dame's offense specifically is one where like, it's a sequence of things, right? It goes from ability to run the ball establishes the read game, the ability, the ability to pull and work the RPO game, the ability to work and do the play action game. All of those things are so intertwined in this offense. And honestly, the biggest key for me is that in this segment is you want to get Tyler Buckner comfort, comfortable, right? And how to get him comfortable is to get a run game going, man, because all his, his skill set works so well off the fact of if you were able to just, you know, you mentioned, you know, running running some, you know, counters and doing everything. But, I mean, as simple as if you can just get a solid push and you're able to establish just inside zone early, like just as simple as possible mm-hmm. and get that read game go and get the RPO game, you're, you're going to get him some easy completions on quick game. You're going to have some easy completions that are going to turn into bigger plays working in the RPO game, and then you're going to give him some opportunities to cr- take shots down the field. All those things spurn off of the one simple fact that Notre Dame has to be able to run the football. If they can, then there's I, I don't think there's any limits, any cap on how good sure. this offense can be, not only just against Ohio State, but just in general. like It all feeds off of one another. Notre Dame averaged 4.1 yards a carry last year. It's not good enough. It's mm-hmm. not.
1: Not even, old,
2: not even like, close. Not even close. Not even in the
1: universe. No. The same
2: galaxy is good, right? No, it's not. Because, I mean, even we've talked about Ohio State not having the emphasis on the run game enough last year. They averaged five and a half yards a <laughs> carry. Right? Like, <laughs> exactly. It, it's just crazy. So, for Notre Dame to be as successful as possible, you have to establish the run. Because also, Brian, the, the weakest – well, I don't want to say the weakest. The, the area of concern that I have most for Ohio State's defense is the linebackers, right? The linebackers – Second level defenders, I want to force them into making some mistakes, right? Like I want them to feel very unsettled and uncomfortable on the second level because, I mean, RPO can mess with a lot of different players structurally, third level, second level. But the one that you think of most is that overhang and that weak side linebacker, right? Like those are the positions where you're like, RPO game is going to mess with those dudes all day, every day. Establish the run game is going to give you those options. And you want options in this
1: game if you're going to be successful offensively. Well, even if you look at Notre Dame, the last couple of years, they had a thousand yard running back. Kyron Williams was a thousand yard rusher, right? The Notre Dame offensive line was a Joe Moore, Joe Moore award finalist in 2020. They still weren't a great rushing team in 2020. They may have had a talented offensive line. They played some bad teams. They benefited from having Harry and Chris Watt involved in that. And if you don't believe me, I don't care. I know it's true, right? And that was the anomaly. But if you look at the last four years, Notre Dame averaged 4.1 yards per carry, 5.02 in 2020, 4.92, and 4.43 since Harry left. The last year of Harry hestand being here, it was 6.25, I mean, that's a that's a pretty big jump. and then you know like 2015 was the other year they were a great rushing team they were 5.6 but that mm-hmm. 5.6 came you know they had they gave up some sacks to Sean Kaiser averaged 3.9 as a rusher but they had you know some minus yards on team but their leading rusher that year Josh Adams CJ Procisis averaged 6.55 yards per carry and Josh Adams averaged 7.2 yards per carry. you look that's at 2017. Josh Adams is a 6.9 yards per carry. Brandon Wimbush was a 5.7. Deion McIntosh was a 5.7. Dexter Williams is a 5 And Notre Dame's, you know, uh kind of trying to think the, you know, the the least explosive guy on their on their roster that year, a running back, was Tony Jones, who was their ball control back. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry. You know, so it was just one of those things where that's the range that nerdy has to be in whereas you look at kyron williams the last two years and this isn't a knock on kyron williams he averaged five only 5.3 yards per carry in 2020 the year that he was a thousand yard back second team all-american on the 2017 offense he was barely ahead of tony jones he would have been the fourth highest back in yards per carry on that team tony jones is a 527 he was last Deion mcintosh averaged 5.7 yards per carry uh and then Josh Adams was 6.9, and Brandon Wimbush was 5.7. Right? I can't you believe know. that Dion
2: McIntosh averaged 5.7 yards a carry. Yeah. That's bizarre, oh, yeah. man. That's
1: crazy. I mean, they, they they racked up 180 yards on Michigan State that year in a game in which Michigan State, if you remember, Ryan, had the number two rush defense in the country that year. That was like Most... Joe Joe, Joe Bocce and all yes. that, that crew, right? Yes, yeah. and Kenny uh, uh, was, uh Yes, he was another guy on that group. But that team, Ryan – you remember Josh Adams got hurt in the first half. Then Deion mm-hmm. or Dexter had a few carries, caught a touchdown pass. He got hurt. Tony Jones was already out because he got hurt against BC the week before. Second half, they they go for a buck eighty on Michigan State's second rank rush defense. They played almost the whole second half with Deion McIntosh as their running back. He ran hard, you know, man. So, I'll give him credit. Yeah, he ran he hard in that game. <laughs> he did. But that was the point, is like they it didn't matter who was at running back, it was because it was about the line. And that's going to be the key here is that they've they've got to be able to have that kind of team, not just as a whole, as a season, but in this game. They've got – Chris Tyree's got a gash. Audrick's got a gash. Logan's got a gash. And then, of course, Tyler Buckner's got to do what he's got to do. And I'm not even talking about scrambles. I don't want to see Tyler Buckner with, like, 75 yards of scrambles and you're like, hey, we ran for 190 yards against Ohio State. I'm like, yeah, but, like, Tyler Buckner had a 50-yard gain on a a scramble in a pass play. You didn't run the ball. That's – it's not about rushing yards. It's about effectively running the football on running downs. That's the key. You've got to right. do that. And then the fourth piece, Ryan, for this one to me is Tommy Reese has to jet, find ways to scheme up opportunities for big plays, and when those opportunities come, they've got to make them. In games like this with Notre Dame's offense against Ohio State's defense, to me, and it's the same way on the other side of the ball, You're going to have somewhere between five to seven opportunities. If the other team plays well and you play well, you're going to have at the most five to seven opportunities to rip off a big play. Mm -hmm. And you've got to take advantage on the majority of those plays. And you've got to create those opportunities. We've talked about this this week, Ryan. You go back and watch the Clemson game in 2018. They harassed Trevor Lawrence the whole game. He only had five or six clean pockets the whole game. But you know what he did on those five or six clean pockets? He ripped Notre Dame. I mean, just ripped them. That's that you have to take advantage of those things. Nobody hasn't been able to do that on offense in past years. We've seen last year, Ryan, in September, you know, watching all 22 for you. I was at most, you know, those road games and, and you're watching Braden Lindsay just smoke a guy on a post route and the ball never comes because the quarterback's getting sacked. You know, there's opportunities where the quarterback doesn't get to that second read, which was, you know, guy coming open on a wheel route. Those are missed opportunities Notre Dame cannot afford. It's up to Tommy Reese to game plan and call those things, which is going to involve a lot of things. It's what I asked coach Freeman about, you know, and and using motions and shifts and he explained why those are dangerous for a defense. It causes a lot of communication. You find yourself, maybe you communicate incorrectly, or if you just line up and play, then the defense can make their calls and they everybody knows what to do. And that was some of the the things I used to complain about, like 14, 15, and 16, is they would just kind of come out and let them personnel run, you know, flex, or they'd just run like d- doubles and just, you know, the motion would be like, you know, the back would go from right to left. You know what I mean? Like that would be it. That's not even a motion. That's just a, okay, we've checked the call and we're going to run inside zone this way. And it was pretty easy to kind of tell what Notre Dame was going to do, and they still would score on people. Yep. You know, if you can do things where you're motioning, you know, like where you shift across, then motion and do all those type of things, you're going to be able to, and then doing things to isolate, you know, even something as simple last year against Stanford, where you motion Braden Lindsay down to get him off the press and then bang a quick post route. And it sets up for a touchdown because you're able to play action. ISO that, that flat defender, you know, he's going to be inside the safety and then bam, you nail it, you know, doing different things like that, where you're able to generate a leverage advantage, an angle advantage, numbers advantage. Uh, getting a matchup that you like. Hey, we really like Lorenzo Styles against that guy in coverage. Uh, we really want to try to find ways to isolate Chris Tyree against this matchup in coverage. We think we can do this with Michael Mayer to get him in a good matchup, or we think when we move Michael Mayer here, they're going to so overreact to that that we can then get something going back here with this matchup. All that is part of the chess match That that is what I love about football. It's what, it's the the relationships with players, and that are the only two things I miss about coaching it's mm-hmm. that mental chess match that is a Saturday where i i'm running this because i know i'm going to get you to sucker down and as soon as i get you to sucker down i'm i'm running double post over your head you know what i mean like all part of that stuff is is tommy reese has got to be on top of his game yeah and then if those calls are made it's got to be executed if if brain lindsay beats a guy on a post route the line's got to protect if the line protects tyler buckner's got to make the throw Tyler Buckner makes a throw. You gotta haul it in. You can't miss those opportunities because you won't get a bunch of them against Ohio State. And when those opportunities come, especially in the pass game, they gotta take advantage. So creating big plays is a big key. Because I just don't think I know ball control and all this, but I just don't think for sixty minutes Notre Dame's gonna be able to just go on a bunch of ten to twelve play drives, eat up the clock. Each team gets six possessions, and like all of a sudden it's like playing the triple option. That's not gonna happen. If you want to win this game, yes, you need to control the ball, and do, but you got to generate some big plays. And to me, big plays are just as discouraging to a defense as just getting the ball ran down your throat for 15 straight plays. I think they both are, are can be detrimental to your psyche as a defensive player, Ryan. And if you can do both, then I think it's almost like, well, what are we going to do? What can we do now? So I do think there need to be some big plays because – we talked about what the run game do for the pass game. If they, if the run game is successful and that opens up some pass game opportunities, Ohio State has zero chance to slow Notre Dame down. Zero. Because if you have to put resources to stop the run game and we're winning one-on-ones, you know, if looking at it from a coaching standpoint, and we're winning one-on-ones on the outside, I've got everything that I can run at you. Yeah, And if it's executed, then it's going to be successful. And we talked a lot about that being a danger in defending Ohio State. I think this year it's going to be a problem for teams defending Notre Dame. Now they got to go out and prove us to be correct on that because I think you and I both believe there's some athletes on this Notre Dame offense that can be game changers. Tom Reese has got to design up those opportunities. Lions got to block. Buckner's got to get the ball out, and they've got to make those plays. I think that, to me, is the final key for this offense to be able to win this game.
2: And I'm pretty confident in the just the structure that it's going to happen, right? Because I know we've talked a lot about this there's talent obviously. Tommy Reese, I think is a very bright guy and he understands how to scheme things open. I I believe in that. The biggest thing that we've talked about all off season is you got Chancey Stuckey to come in here and you got Harry He stand back because the you're not you haven't been able to take advantage of those things because not everything is working in a complete manner, right? Like last year like you said, there were some guys open but protection might break down. There's might be a guy that can't get off a press and it disrupts the timing of, of a pass play, right? Like there's, there's, there was those inconsistencies last year from just a general understanding of how to play football. If we're being completely honest, right. And how to play the position, I should say the nuance of playing wide receiver, playing offensive line. I have a feeling that those things will be better. And I have a feeling that Tommy Reese will be able to scheme some stuff open at that point. It's about your guys making plays, man. And if they're prepared, I think they have an opportunity to create big plays. Because the biggest thing for me, Brian, is, and we talked about this, I think Jim Knowles is going to look at this offense and Harry Heastan coming back and the running back stable they have and Tyler Buckner as a running quarterback. And they're going to look at them and say, you're going to try to run the football on us and we're not going to let you do that point blank right Notre Dame hasn't hidden that fact throughout the entire fall camp they they haven't (laughs) every time you hear Marcus Freeman he's talking about establishing the run and getting that pace going and yeah 100% and Jim Knowles knows it I think you know I don't think it's chicken like I think that Marcus Freeman truly believes that's what we're going to do right and in that simple fact Jim Knowles is going to allocate resources so that that doesn't happen so what Mm -hmm. does that give you that means there's less allocated resources to play, you know, uh, it may be a, a rob, robber coverage to one side or double double, uh, you know, bracket a, a wide receiver, or, you know, w- have two guys that kind of eyes on, on Michael Mayer all the time. Right. Like there's going to be less allocated opportunities in the passing game. So that means one on one opportunity somewhere. It's going to be a one on one opportunity at some point. Well, not at some point, a lot in this football game early on, in my opinion, I think there's going to be a lot and. The only reason that they can t- that they have to change their philosophy in that regard, right, Brian, is if you make a couple plays, right? Like right. he's not going to change unless you make him change. Right. You hit a couple big plays, then there's less players in the box, and that's where you start chipping away at that defense. And I mean, if you can run the ball even with the with players in the box, you sure as anything can run the ball with less players in the box, right? right? So. <laughs> It comes off of the simple fact that you had to be able to run the football, but when they allocate the resources to stopping the run, you have to win one-on-one matchups. You right. have to, you have a quarterback that is a dynamic type of athlete. You have multiple wide receivers that are four fours and, and better athletes. You have a running back. That is a four, three athlete. You have athletes if you're Notre Dame, but in order for them to to really respect the ability to work on the perimeter, work vertically, work space, they have to make plays, and they're going to get those one-on-one matchups, and you have to capitalize. There's no doubt.
1: You know, a game that this reminds me a lot of is the 2017 USC game. Now, this Ohio State team is better than that USC team in 2017. Like That was an 11-3 USC team, but that wasn't a, a great team. It was a really good team with a lot of weapons. <clears throat> so this isn't a, a, a you know complete apples-to-apples comparison, but the point that I'm going to make is the same. USC was not a 49 to 14 worse team than Notre Dame. Why was Notre Dame able to have success that day? Because USC came into that game and said, you are not going to beat us running the football. Mm-hmm. Kind of Notre Dame, I think, went out three three and out on that first drive. They came out that next drive and they just started hitting USC with stuff down the field. I mean, early in the game, they ran a – I think it might have been on the, on the second series. You know, they just got Kevin Stepperson back, and so what do they do? They come out and they they run a reverse with him. I'm actually going to look that play-by-play up because I believe I'm correct on that. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. they came out that next series after the after the you know, the first three and out. Brandon Wimbush goes for 12 yards on a quarterback run. They run a reverse to Kevin Stepperson that goes for 13 yards, and then Brandon Wimbush bangs a post right over the top for a touchdown at Quindam St. Brown, just like that at 7 nothing. Right. And then they get the ball back, you know, in the, in the defense and they Dame, the next series goes down seven yard, you know, goes seven points. And what, how do they score? Brandon Wimbush throws a, a downfield back shoulder to Kevin Stefferson for a touchdown. Notre Dame was running the ball okay in that game, some 10 yard runs, 13 runs. They also had an, another 11 yard run for Kevin Stefferson on that series as well. So they were kind of getting USC guessing. The ability to throw the ball down the field and hit, bang them with some of those reverses, all of a sudden, USC is like, okay, how the heck do we defend this team now? Like, what are we supposed to do now? And and so then that kind of leads to all of a sudden Notre Dame just starts wearing them down and just gashing them because now you've got to worry about the reverses that are here hurting you. You've got to worry about the post routes over top that are hurting you. Now all of a sudden USC has no answers. They're third and 10. They're dropping back. Brandon Williams takes off running and, and converts the third down. Like when you can get a team like that, into that scenario, all of a sudden a game that where Notre Dame was probably a seven to 10 point better team than USC. Ohio state that year beat USC 24, 17, right? I mean, you know, they they were a good team that year, but why was Notre Dame able to absolutely destroy them? Because USC's defense, that's what we call defending the whole width and length of the field. Ryan is Mm -hmm. that right there when you're hitting them with that stuff and those big plays and throwing the ball down the field, how do you defend the run then? Because USC's had a very similar philosophy that everybody else is going to play this team is going to have. And this team, I think, has more weapons in the pass game than I think that 2017 team did. You know, with Cameron Smith, I mean, that was the first game back for Stefferson, or second game back. He played sparingly against North Carolina the week before. But if you can create those big plays in the pass game, it almost makes it impossible to stop that offense. And and again, we've said that about Ohio State. If they can run the football, it makes it really hard to stop their pass game and vice versa because they both make each other better. So those big play opportunities, because just completing a 15-yard game, the occasional 20-yard game is not going to force Jim Knowles to come out of his game plan. It's yep. got to be that, oh, snap, we went cover one, Braden Lindsey just smoked my guy on the outside for a 50-yard touchdown. Or, you know, I I thought I could put, tommy eikenberg and coverage against chris tyree and they just scored a 50 yard touchdown on a you know on a on a narrow route where he just outran the guy or on a wheel route or something like that or you know those are the kind of things that are going to make you say you know what like they're they're burning us and not yes. blown coverages either it's like just you scheme yourself into those big opportunities and it's going to force ohio state to to think twice and it, you know it's it's that's the way to do it. I mean, that's the only way that they're going to be able to have a chance in this game to, to score enough to win this game. Cause again, this is not, I'll be shocked if this is a 20 to 17 game shocked. I don't think you beat them with 20 points or 23 points or even 27 points per se. You're going to have to get to at least 30. And in order to do that, you're going to need big plays. There's no doubt about yep. it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I even think back to the Michigan game last year, Brian, I actually, I actually that, uh, that game was on TV a little bit earlier. I, I was about to text you about it, but I mean, Cade McNamara was a very average quarterback last year, right? But in that game, although he didn't throw the ball much, he made a couple explosive plays, man, and he made a couple mm-hmm. plays. He had a, a couple pass interference calls get, plays get called in that game. You have to do. You have to create those explosive plays when you when you just know I mean, Ohio State. And again, I know it's a completely different defense and it's a completely different situation. I get it. But my point is, is that whether what team you're talking about, if a team is having trouble stopping the run, they're always going to allocate more to stopping the run. Right. Like they're that's just that's simple one one stuff. Right. Like it's it's oh, I'm getting beat here. I need to do something different to stop it. And then if you are having trouble now stopping the other thing, which had to allocate resources, then you're a defensive coordinator. Never wants to get in the in between, Brian. It's like the the, the in between between being true to your scheme and then having to play out of your scheme, right? Like when you, when you get into that little gray area there, then you start to scramble, man. and It is not funny. You're just like last second, like, uh, uh, linebacker, blitz, a gap. Like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't want right. to ever have that type of just quick impulsive decisions because you just don't have an answer and mm-hmm. big plays and running the football. Those things together will make any defensive coordinator very nervous. Yes. Very
3: nervous.
1: Ryan, before we transition to the defense, I do want to thank Tony Shea for this big super chat. Tony, with a massive super chat, appreciate you. Tony said, "Here's ninety-nine of the one thousand. I'm going to win Saturday. Go Irish! I hope let's you do are it. Right, hope Love it. Right. So, Ryan, let's transition to the the keys to the Notre Dame defense. And to me, there are some keys that aren't really keys, but they're important. You know, like don't turn the ball over an obvious okay on offense. That's an obvious one. That shouldn't be one of your four keys of the game. That's like Anyone that remotely follows football can be like, key to the game, don't turn it over. Okay, cool. The one for me on defense that's the same thing, like it's not going to be one of these four because it's a given, is they got to tackle, right? They've got to tackle. They've got to tackle well. That should be a key to the the game. That should be, duh, yeah, you got to tackle. And so hopefully this team has done what it needs to do this offseason to become a much better tackling team because all the great scheme in the world goes right out the window if you can't tackle. And that's going to be a big, big part of this game. However, there are some other things that we do think are important. And hopefully good tackling is sprinkled in throughout all four of these things. And again, it's going to kind of, kind of build on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So to me, the biggest thing is, again, it's controlling the line of scrimmage. Yes. That's going to be another big key. And it's not just, it's not as simple as shutting down the run. It's not as simple as it's, Dude, it's, it's all of it, and to me, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to tie these two points together, Grant, because I think they go together and build each other. Is uh, Key number two is you've got to be disruptive. What does disruption mean against a team like Ohio State? You're constantly resetting the line of scrimmage in your favor. You're not yes. allowing them to play within rhythm. That means a lot of things. Like we talk about run game. Mm-hmm. Best way to stop a run game – Make the running back declare behind the line of scrimmage. If yeah. a running back is basically staying on his run track to the point where he is making a cut off of a block that is effective, you're he's gonna he, it's gonna be minimum five yard gain, right? If the running back is running through the line of scrimmage on his track, it's gonna be minimum five yard gain. And Ohio State's going to try to do the same thing to Notre Dame. Yeah, it's nice to get the 50-yard runs. But if they're just five, six, eight, twelve, five, seven, nine, 12, Notre Dame has no chance. That's the kind of run game that they need to, to eliminate. And so, to me, it's that. It's make Travion Henderson bounce to the perimeter three yards mm-hmm. behind the line of scrimmage. That's the only yes. chance you have to catch him and push him to the sideline. You know, make him cut on inside zone or their mid-zone that they like to run. Make him cut three, four yards behind the line of scrimmage. And I'm going to point to this. I'm going to draw some lines here just to simply make a point. Ryan Day's NFL experience came under Chip Kelly. Yep. And Chip Kelly, even though his offense has kind of gotten stale, like he hasn't innovated lately, for a long time I felt he was the most innovative run game guy in college football for a long time. There was one team in the Pac-12 that would give Oregon fits, not all the time, but a lot of times. That was Stanford. And what Stanford did to them and what Ohio State did to them to uh, to a degree, and this is after Chip Kelly when Mark Helferts was there, what Ohio State did to them, I thought, in the 2014 game was they forced them to declare the run early. If you're letting them run their power read, this is referring to Oregon, if you're letting them run their power read where Marcus Mariota or Darren Thomas or Dennis Dixon could just ride that sucker all the way out, you're done. Mm-hmm. What Stanford was able to do was to attack and make him it's a handoff. Now go rally to the ball. Yep. Make the running back. And so the the equivalent to the to this matchup is they're running their mid-zone, they're running their counters. They're they're it's not like I mean, true counter, but their wraps and their things like that, when they're running their outside zone, when they're running their inside zone, you need to make Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams cut three, four yards behind the line. Because once mm-hmm. they cut, they've now said, this is where we're going. And the further back they do that, the easier it is to rally. And, and you'll watch things where like a running back will make a cut. And get tackled like four yards past the point where he made the cut. And you're like, they only gained two yards on that play. Yeah, because you reset the line and made him cut way behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's going to be the biggest key. And it's not even just about, I mean, tackles for loss are big, right? I mean, we've talked about sure. that before. Getting a minus two, but those are the things that create the consistent disruption that slow down a running game. So if you're giving up, if you're getting a, a, two, a two yard tackle for loss on first and 12, first and 10 to make it second and 12, and then on the next play, Travion runs outside zone. He stays right on his track. He cuts that sucker inside because they stretched out. And all of a sudden, you got a seven yard gain. Ohio State's back to third and five. And that's where they're going to be okay. Yeah. Right. It's about consistent disruption. Guess what's better than what the scenario we just said? Plus one, plus three. Now they're third and set, or, you know, now, or plus one, plus two. Both pluses, but now they're in third and seven. And mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a different situation than that than third and five, third and four, third and three. And, and then that creates more opportunities for you to finally get that sack you need or that minus two or minus three. So it's the consistent disruption. It also re- involves getting hits on the quarterback. It yes. means CJ and, – and the equivalent to, the, to Oregon would be it's sort of like that's what you want to do to their pass game is what you did to the Oregon run game, which is make the ball get out quick. You know, mm-hmm. look, rally to the ball, let them cab their five, six, seven-yard gains – But you're rallying the ball. You're forcing C.J. to get rid of the ball quicker than he wants to, because what happens there, Ryan, with all the mesh stuff that they do, if you're Mm -hmm. constantly disruptive, they don't have time to let those mesh routes come clear. Now they're back to their hitches, their unders, their slants, their stops. Those are effective stuff, but those are plays where you're more likely to kind of catch them without them getting in space. Right. And if you can keep things in front of you and he has to get rid of that ball quickly, now of a sudden you're rallying to the ball. And eventually someone gets a hand up, knocks a ball down. CJ misses on a throw. Receiver falls down. You cover it well. That's where you get those opportunities to make stops because you're not giving up the big plays. You're keeping it in front of you. All that stuff is, it sounds easy. It's not, but it all involves being really disruptive up front. And then when they do want to take their shots, He doesn't have time because if you can speed up C.J. Stroud's internal clock and that's Mm -hmm. what they did to Marcus Mariota and Darren Thomas when Stanford have success is they would speed up Marcus Mariota's internal clock. And Mm -hmm. he had to get that ball out quicker in the run game and the pass game. And that's when you could shut them down because, you know, as good as Oregon was back then, they'd have these they'd score like 50 a game and then they'd have like this really weird game against Stanford where they just don't score. You know, and you're like, well, what well, hey, how how the heck did that happen? You know, I mean, I'm looking at Oregon. Here's a perfect example. 2012. Oregon goes 12 and 1. Here's what they did that year. Here's the points per game: 57, 42, 63, 49, 51, 52, 43, 70, 62, 59, 14 against Stanford. Next two games, 48, 35. Right? <laughs> because Stanford had that secret sauce, which was disrupt, 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 disrupt. Yep. Make them declare early. Where everybody else was trying to play in space, right? Stanford had the D-line that was capable of disrupt, 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 and it would just completely shut the Oregon offense down. And it was it, it was a weird thing, but that's what Oregon did, or that's what Arizona did in 2014 in the regular season when they beat Airs, when they beat Stanford. If you remember that game, they forced a lot of incompletions, a lot of short gains because they were aggressive and attacked. Now Oregon got them on the rematch. They, you know, the first time they played, that was why. And I think that's a very similar philosophy that you need against Ohio State. It's not even a philosophy. It's just execution. Disrupt, disrupt, disrupt. Do that and you've got a chance at creating enough stops to keep the points down enough to win this football game.
2: I think usually when people think of pressure, disruption, penetration, they think of, you know, like you said, speeding up C.J. Stroud's clock. Sure, absolutely. But you also talked about the decision-making process of running backs, right? Like you want to speed up their process as well. Like the the whole key to zone – is that you let things develop and then you cut where the the gap makes sense, right? That's why a lot of times you'll see inside zone cut all the way back to backside A, backside B at times, right? Like that's why, because you're letting things develop. Mesh, you're letting things develop. All those things involve an internal clock, whether that is running the football, whether that is passing the football. So disruption can even go, I mean, Brian, like we can take it even further, right? Disruption is, and we're talking about the like general disruption of a defensive line, second level, you know, working in, into the backfield, disrupting the 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 wide receivers at, at the at the at the releases at the release points, right? Press releases, doing all those types of things, make this make this offense have to make quicker decisions, speed up that process, and it's not just a CJ Stroud thing. It's not, and I know that people always think about that because it's hey, I'm going to go hit my three-step, five-step, seven-step, whatever it is, and I'm going to work through my reads and my progressions, and I'm going to continue my process at a a steady pace. But running zone is all about a process as well. Working RPO game is about a process. Those things are all processes, and if you disrupt those things, it creates a lot of bad decisions. It creates a lot of ill-advised decisions. It creates a lot of... A lot of a lot of havoc can be made in the tackle for loss department, sack departments, but more than anything, I want to create this. I want to make Ohio State have have mistakes, and there's no better way than to disrupt the process. And that is the biggest thing for me.
1: Ryan, number three for me is they've got to get to third down and they got to win. Now, yes. the reason that we didn't say be good on third down is because there there's the possibility that third down is a completely irrelevant down in this game. And, and we've pointed this out before. I'll just quickly point it out. Ohio state last year was really good on third down yep. from an effectiveness standpoint, right? Second in the country at 52.6. That's great. Mm-hmm. And that you got to stop that. But here's, here's the more important stat for me, Ohio state ranked 120th in the nation in third down opportunities. Now, in some stats, you don't want to be ranked really low. This particular one, it's a good thing, to be honest with you, in in this context because it meant they were really, really good. Now it's not true for everyone, but in Ohio State's context, it is because it means that they're they're just they're killing you on first and second down, and and that's the, we we pointed this out about that great LSU offense back in uh, what was it back in um, uh, 2019. They had they had 183 third downs, which ranked them 48th in the country in third down opportunities. Well, if you remember correctly, in that game or in that year, they also played one more game than Ohio State, two more games than Ohio State played last year. Yep. So it, it, it would the numbers kind of are closer when you look at it that way. That way, an okay. offense like Ohio State, an offense like 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 LSU, they're not getting to third down very often. If you're controlling the line and you're being disruptive, you have a greater chance of getting them into third down situations. Now, of course, the key then is you then have to have success, which is like, okay, we got to third down, now what? Well, last year, both of these teams were great on third down. Notre Dame was great on third down last year, third down defense. They they ranked 10th in that last year in, in third downs. And Notre Dame ranked 11th in forced turnovers. Ohio State ranked second in third downs. So Notre Dame has to be has to have success in my opinion on third down. Now, the key ha- the problem however is that one of the issues with Notre Dame's defense last year is they ranked 79th in third down like opp- opportunities, meaning teams were getting a lot of third down opportunities on Notre Dame mm-hmm. because they they were allowing teams to kind of get more possessions because of the offense and other reasons, right? So hopefully the offense can play its part. And the defense would kind of have a little bit of a bend but don't break, you know, type of mentality where yep. where, where that would be the case, too. And, I, and to a degree, you're going to have a little bit of that against Ohio State. You know, you do want to keep things in front of you. I don't know mm-hmm. if I want to do bend, right? Sure. Uh, but, you know, you, you do want to keep things in front of you a little bit at times. Getting the third down is important. And then having success on third down is even more important. And we're going to, we're going to kind of tie this into number four, too, right? Because I think they go together. Mm-hmm. Red zone. Yes. Red zone success is important. And, and this, this is a little bit more complex than just keep their seven opportunities to three. That's the most obvious, right? But even deeper than that, you have to get them in the red zone. And what that means is don't let them score from the 40. Don't let them score from 50 yards out. Don't let them score from 60 yards out. If Travion Henderson rips off a 40 yard run, Okay, that sucks, but make sure you tackle him inside the 20 and don't let him get into the end zone. Then yep. you have a chance with the field reduced, with the because the, now it's still 53 and a third, but you don't have 60 yards over top anymore, and you can be a little bit more effective there. So limiting big plays, Ryan, is a big part of the red zone, de- red zone defense opportunities for Notre Dame, is you want to be in red zone opportunities. You want to be in third down opportunities. Because I believe, and this may sound a little nuts Ryan, and, and if you want to push back on it, feel free. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I'm of the belief that the more plays Ohio State runs, the worse it is for them. And my example is here's the, here's the four games they had the most play they ran the most plays in last year. Oregon, Michigan mm-hmm. State, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and Michigan. Now, Michigan State, they did great. The other three, the offense never got to 30. Yeah. Now, they had a bunch of yards, but they kept having to run plays because those other teams limited the big plays. They got them in the red zone and a lot of times held them to field goals or they didn't score at all because the more plays you run, the more opportunities there are for you to make a mistake. I don't want three play ADR drives, right? I mean, it's a state in the obvious, you know, but to me, that's a that's a big thing. And, and if Notre Dame can limit those opportunities, that's going to be a big part, a big, big part of this game. Yes. You want to keep them out of the red zone completely, mm-hmm. meaning they're not scoring at all, but that may not be a realistic, get them in the third downs, get them into the red zone, stop them on third down, hold them to field goals. If you do that, you know, how they could go right up and down the field the first four times on Notre Dame and score every time. But if they're all field goals, you, you, you've given up 12 take, points or, or one it, touchdown and three field goals. It's 16 points, right? You're in the game now. And that's going to be a key to this game.
2: Brian, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I Look, Ohio State is going to make some plays, obviously, right? They have dudes. We've, talked, we've been talking about this all week, all summer. Jackson Smith and Jibba is a really good player. Trayvon Henderson is a really good player. Marvin Harris Jr. is probably going to be a very good player. Emeka Ibuka is probably going to be a very good player. Ohio state has players. There's no doubt. Great playmakers. But my thing here is that you're going to give up some plays, but to the bend, but don't break thing. Right. The thing about that is that there is eventually a breaking point, right? Like we talked about a rubber band yesterday, right? You pull it and eventually it's going to get to that point where it's either going to break or it's going to bend back. And in these two situations that we're talking about specifically third down and red zone, There are when your back is against the wall and that's when you have to play your best, most, most competitive football, right? Like those are the big moments in football games. So you have to be able to hit those breaking points because it's going to happen. Like, I mean, again, it's going to happen. You're going to hit those breaking points. Is Notre Dame resilient enough to bounce back and be better than Ohio state in those in particular situations? If they are, if for me, I, I mean, I keep saying it, right. I've said this all week limiting their effectiveness, limiting them, not completely stifle them. That'd be great. You know, if, if Notre Dame give up 14 points this game, I mean, if like, wow, do something fantastic. like
1: that, Ryan, we're having a whole different conversation after this game. A 100%. whole different conversation yes. after
2: this game. Uh, exactly. We really
1: are. Like, but, nobody's going mean, to beat this team. No one will no. be. And, and You know, but that's not the expectation. I mean, when was right. the last time they scored under 20? Wasn't it that's, the 2016 game against – uh, Clemson? Maybe. I think Maybe. it is. Was that, the, was that the
2: 31 to nothing game I mean, or whatever nothing. it was, right? I, yeah. yeah.
1: And and with all due yeah. respect, uh, Tim Beck and Ed Warner aren't Ryan Day. You, you know what I'm saying? So uh <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the last time they've scored under 20 points. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Uh No, I'm sorry. 2017 in game two against Oklahoma, they scored 16 in a oh, loss. Wow. That's the last time they scored under 20. That was game two of the Ryan Day era, by the way. Mm. So you know, I, I take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. And that was a really good Oklahoma team.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so comparative to the expectation, again, right. you're not going to stifle Ohio State. That's not, I mean, again, you're not going to leave the game and it's 14, 17 points for Ohio State. It, great if it could happen. But the point is, is that there's going to be a breaking points in this game. And Notre Dame's ability to be resilient in those breaking points are the big moments. And, and I know we're talking about, from a defensive side of the football, but that goes offensively too. You know, when Notre Dame's in the red zone, when Notre Dame is on third downs, got to convert, man, you gotta, you gotta be better in those areas than in Ohio state. But of course, mm-hmm. first and foremost is you have to be good on first and second down in order to get there. Right? Like you want an yeah. offense like Ohio state to play behind the sticks. You don't want to have the, uh, let them have the sticks in their favor. So I agree completely. This is, Again, I think all of these mesh really well together, so it's hard to kind of like distinguish, distinguish which one is the most important, quote-unquote, right? But I really do think that they're the big, the, these types of games where you have two very good football teams, the, those moments matter the most. They're the, they're the money moments, if we can call them mm-hmm. that. And I think that they will be a big determiner of who wins this football game.
1: It's going to tell us a lot about Marcus Freeman's football team, too. Mm -hmm. quickly on special teams, Ryan, we're not going to spend a lot of time on special teams. Just going to minute here. The two things that you and I agreed were absolutely key. It's obvious. It's, I mean, this is one area where I think it's good to be simplistic Win the field position battle, which means try to allow yourself to not have to go 85 yards every time you get stinking football, but then make a house. They'd have to go 80 to 85 yards every time they get stinking football. Right. And not giving up the long returns, not shanking punts, not, you know, not, line driving one that the guy can return 20 yards, that kind of thing. Win the field position battle, and you can't have mistakes. You can't give them easy points. If you give them the ball midfield, they're going to score, most likely. I mean, you've got to make them work, and that's the job of the special teams. Make Ohio State's offense work. Make them go the distance every time they get the football. If you can do that – now, the offense helps that too. Punt from the 50 instead of your own 20. You know, that's how you can help too. I mean, John Sott's not a miracle worker where he's gonna turn a minus twenty into a minus fifteen or you know, plus fifteen for you. But uh, you know, that's that the coverage has got to be great, and you can't have to, you can't fumble the ball like you did against Cincinnati, like you did against Clemson in 2018 or 15. You can't have those those special teams mistakes that give the opponent cheap points. You you can get away with that against NC State 2017 because they're not as good as you. You can't get away with that against Ohio State. Those things will be the difference between because if we think it's going to be competitive game, yep. you know, and, and close one way or the other, that can be the difference between a seven point loss and a 17 point loss because, you know, you're now down behind two scores late because you did this dumb thing. And now you've got to try to force and then they make a mistake. And all of a sudden what had been a competitive game for 50 minutes turns into a route in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. And and those are the kind of mistakes you can't do. I mean, look what it hurt was on the opposite end. Look what the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game last year. That's exactly- Wisconsin rallies back, gets the lead, force a – Notre Dame's quarterback's out of the game because he's injured. They bring in the backup. You sack him. He fumbles. You go down. You get the lead in the fourth quarter. And then, bam, right back leads gone because of Chris Tyree's touchdown. Can't that's exactly have that stuff happened in the opposite. That's
2: exactly the example I was going to use was the Wisconsin game, because I mean, what well, one thing that special teams can do is it can fracture complete reverse momentum. I mean, that completely flipped momentum in Notre Dame's favor and Wisconsin never recovered after that. They never mm-hmm. recovered like that could fracture and completely change the momentum for a football game. A lot of times, it's almost like offensive line play, Brian. Like, There's a lot of times where I just don't want to even notice special teams, right? Like you do your job. You don't turn the ball over. You have a good solid punt inside the 10. You make the field goals you should make. Like, You just kind of want to forget about special teams a lot of times, right? When you notice it, it's usually up for a very bad reason, right? And I think, again, that Wisconsin game is the perfect example. They have all the momentum or most of the momentum, and then – Chris Tyree completely flips the script on them and the Cincinnati game. You were losing at that point when Chris Tyree fumbled the kickoff, Yeah, but still like that completely just continued the momentum in Cincinnati's favor in that first half where you're just like, Oh man, this is debilitating right now. This is not good. This is really bad because now you have another part of your game that is just working against you as if stopping Ohio state's offense isn't hard enough. We also have to worry about our special teams making a mistake. Right. So right. I agree. I don't want to notice the special. Well, teams they weren't losing
1: game. that game though, by the way, it was nothing, nothing when he had oh, that. Yeah, fumble. You're right. You're it was nothing, right. nothing. And they had an eight yard touchdown drive to take a seven, nothing lead.
3: You're, you're right. thinking
1: of the interception that yes. led to a touchdown later or the, excuse me, the field goal that happened on the next series. I think it was, uh, it was after the interception, I believe. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The interception set up the first score. Mm-hmm. That's what set up the first score, and then they yeah. fumbled the ensuing kickoff, and they got yes. a field goal. So just like that, two mistakes lead turn, turn a nothing nothing game into a ten nothing deficit. Yep. And that's that's how it went. But yeah, you can't you cannot have that in this game, right? You cannot because yep. this ain't, well, I just saw respect, said... Cincinnati ain't 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 Ohio State. Let's be yeah. honest about that. Well,
2: I just saw 99 promises. I wouldn't notice a special team
1: only if Chris Tyree's taking one to the house. That's fair. Vingo. That's fair. No, no. I'll take those. That's so sure. true, right? Like special teams need to be like your catcher in baseball, right? Like you only notice them if he does something bad or really good. Sure. Right. Like you don't just, Hey, he caught all the throws. He caught all the pitches. Maybe I'll, maybe
2: I'll rephrase myself. I don't want to notice the snappers, kickers, or punters at all. I just want them to do their job. And they, Chris Tyree, let Chris Tyree be an athlete. I'm good with that one. I'm good with that
1: one. Well, another example is remember the 25th, the Fiesta bowl in 2015. I mean, Notre Dame starting at like their own 12 on kickoffs, their own 12, their own 15, because Ohio State was just kicking it high, and the coverage team was just crushing Notre Dame down the field. Man, And, like, you're not going to consistently go. And now that defense was better than this defense, with all due respect. But we know more about that Notre Dame offense than we know about this one. You know, that was a great Notre Dame offense. Well, that's what Ohio State did to that explosive Notre Dame offense. That was an explosive Notre Dame offense. But I don't care how good you are, if you have to consistently go 85-plus yards when you get the football, you're going to have a hard time scoring on a team that's really good. And that's, to me, that's the key. That's going to be a big key.
2: You, you want to talk about fracturing momentum. Those That that kick coverage unit that day for Ohio oh, State was just,
1: brutal. man. well brutal, Can you imagine being the offensive coordinator that, do that do day, Brian? It's like, man, no. man. <laughs> no. No, 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 no last thing Ryan this is the overarching key and then we're going to do a mailbag next so we've got some questions in submit your questions if you want us to address them or comments if you want to have some comments be made but the last thing is this Ryan to win a game like this there's one word that has to permeate through your entire football team and it's not like the cliche things like it's a cliche but it's a it's a it's a more impactful cliche it's not toughness attitude it's this finish you have to finish. You have to – when you get the ball, don't settle for field goals. Finish in the end zone. Finish off blocks. Finish off runs. Finish off plays. Finish off tackles. Finish off, you know, all the – you know, finish off blocks. All that stuff, you have to finish. Finish, finish your series off well. Finish. Yep. Do that, and you put yourself in an opportunity to be in the game in the fourth quarter. That's what Notre Dame needs. If they can be – here's what's going to happen in this game, and we'll dive more into this tomorrow they're either going to get run early or they're going to go into the game in the fourth quarter and it's going to be really competitive. And that's to me how Notre Dame wins. I don't see a scenario in which this is like the 2017 USC game. I was simply making a point about that game, about how they put the USC defense in a bind. I don't see them holding this, US, this Ohio State offense to 14 points like they did USC that day. This line is better. There's more weapons on this team. Now, that was a great quarterback-running back combination, but I expect this receiving core to be better than that one, and I think the Ohio State line is better than that one. And with all due respect, Ryan Day is a better football coach than Clay Helton and all the guys he had on his staff. Just a little bit of a different. I'm simply making the point about the bind you can put a team in when you start fast, like they did to Michigan State that season as well. But it's one of those things, Ryan, where if you can be in this game in the fourth quarter – Mm-hmm. that's where I feel like Notre Dame wins because that's when the doubt starts to creep in to Ohio State, and that's when Notre Dame players realize, you know what, we're here. Let's go show them what we got. And and that's where, you know, leaning on a team all game starts to really have an impact. And so if they can go into this thing in the fourth quarter, with it being a one-score game and one direction or the other, you start feeling really good, and then it finally becomes, that's the final area, Ryan, where you talk about finishing the game. So finish has got to be the theme of this Notre Dame football team on Saturday night, finish, finish, excuse me, finish everything hard, finish it fundamentally sound and finish it with toughness, but it all comes down to that key point. Finish. If this team can be about finishing and all the things that that means, then they'll be in this game Saturday night and come the, the, when the, the final clock ticks, they'll have a shot to come out victorious.
2: Yeah. Well, Brian, I know that we we're fighting against the narrative for Notre Dame, mm-hmm. where in the biggest games you fall to pieces and you're not even competitive. Right. I want to see what a game looks like in the shoe. If Notre Dame is in the game in the fourth quarter, I want to see how, how Ohio State's reacts. I want to see how Notre Dame reacts, because that would be the first time where you're like, huh. This might be a little different, and that's when people start getting nervous. That's when mm-hmm. people start getting excited. That's when the emotions can can take over in a fourth quarter. But, I mean, right. to your point, we've heard Harry Heastand every single practice because even the, even the practices we're not at, when their video comes out, you can hear them, and it's all mm-hmm. about finishing. And that is right. something that I have to think that Marcus Freeman is kind of live-buying right now, right? The ability to finish mm-hmm. and We've talked about being better at tackling. We've talked about being better at blocking. Those things are easy to see, man, when you have the efforts that you can finish those types of plays. So it's. I mean, it goes down to everything, though. Everything in a football right. game is about finishing. Finishing the fourth right. quarter, finishing the half, finishing a drive, finishing, finishing a, block, a block, finishing a catch, right.
1: like everything. Finishing a run. Killing. Hey, that extra yeah. two yards that you dipped out of bounds is why you guys were punting on third down. Hey, yeah. perfect example. Last year. Your boy, Tank Bigsby, finish that run right. You finish that run, you finish the game, right? right. Twice, yep. actually. My boy. My, my boy. Right. School, my boy. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't mine. <laughs> Not after that. It's like, I like that the parent. Talent, but, I only yeah, claim not... my kid when he does stuff I'm proud of. Like when it's not, it's that's my wife's kid, you know. That's your wife's good, uh, yeah, I don't have kids, but you know, it's my that's my dog when they're that's, good. That's things, what I say but, to my friends yeah. when uh, it's someone I yeah. don't like or something. I just say that's your yeah. boy.
2: It's your boy. That's so it's boy. about
1: finishing, Ryan. And, and yep. if Notre Dame can finish and do all the things we talked about, again, these are not pie in the sky. Oh, gee, I don't think Notre Dame can do that, and everything has to go perfectly. And this is the... no, this is just play your game and play sound football, play physical football, play your game, use your talent. This is not this lopsided roster that people make it out to be, you know, and and some Mm -hmm. are saying, well, yeah, they got more five stars here, but it's not like Notre Dame is trotting out a bunch of nobodies. Notre Dame has, you know, Ohio State, like, well, look how many elite top 100 players we have on offense compared to your defense. I'm like, well, the same is true on the other side of the ball. Notre Dame has five top 100 players in their starting lineup on offense. Ohio State has, like, what, two, right, in their starting lineup? So, you know, it's going to be about finishing, right? Be ready for the moment, answer the moment and finish. And if they do that, they have a shot to win. So that's going to do it for our keys to victory breakdown. We're going to go to a mailbag next, but before we do get to the mailbag, I'll ask you all to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. And of course, Uh, Make sure that you sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Also, you can check out our website down below www.irishbreakdown.com or just irishbreakdown.com if that works as well, which I should probably say instead of www because irishbreakdown.com will get you there and it's not as many syllables. So uh, definitely, definitely check all that out, Ryan, Uh, for us. We would appreciate that. And thank you for listening to the Keys to Victory portion of today's podcast.